I've got a lot on. I've got like <laughs> yeah. You got a lot. I have do, you? I too have a lot on. I have a very. I've full plate. My plate okay. is full of things. None of them are pleasant things. There are things. Okay. I think. I think. I think we might have to. Uh, yeah. Well, let's play the titles. And welcome Hello. to Date Fight. It's the podcast where we take great moments that occurred on this day in history and we pitch them against each other. Yes, we do. He's Jake Yap. I'm Nat Tapley. And together we have chosen the two kestrels with the finest plumage from the aviary of history and are competing to see which can catch the most mice. And by mice, I mean your brains. <laughs> um, you might be able to tell we're quite tired and... Uh. <laughs> We are episode 116, guys. Yeah. Episode 116. Yes. We're, we're, we... We're sorry. We are going to take a break for a week. We're sorry. I'm kidding. We're not. No. We wouldn't dream of leaving you, but what we are going to do is... No. Uh, maybe slightly slim down uh, just a week's worth of episodes, uh, just yes. because... until March the 8th. Yeah, we need to kind of get our breath back a little bit. Uh, this is yes. somewhat gruelling, and uh, we've had some illnesses to deal with. Basically, mm. the carpets want shampooing, and... Yeah. So if you'll indulge us, it's going to be date fight light just for the week. Date fight light. Um, That's all the calories of regular. No, all the fun of regular date fight with half the calories. <laughs> That's right. I.e., half the fun. Half so the facts, half, the, <laughs> half the information. Yeah, literally half the fun. Everything else though is fine. Mummy and Daddy love each other very much, and yes. uh, there's nothing to worry about. We just need to sleep for a while. Uh, soften off the pedalling just for a little bit. Yeah. Yes. So let's do this. I'm going to take you to the 28th of February, 1998. Oh. With the first flight of the RQ-4 Global Hawk. Oh, I could have used that in the area. Yeah. Not Kestrel's Hawks. Anyway, that was the first unmanned aerial vehicle to fly in commercial airspace in America. Essentially, it's the first drone, as we know drones. Um, it was made to be a surveillance plane. It was made to replace the U-2. Um, but obviously, having made something that worked for satellites and spying things out and scoping things out, within three years we'd attached guns to it. So we had the first armed drones by 2001. Um, and now they use for everything from archaeology to delivering inevitably the everything you're going to need when coronavirus keeps you all inside for the next few weeks. Yeah, hang on. So, um, so just just drone. explain to me how a drone with a gun on it works with archaeology. Oh, no, they just fly... So you're going to shoot the it's fossils. It's got LIDAR. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. The kind of archaeology they did in uh, ISIS-controlled Iraq. <laughs> the the, the RQ-4 wasn't our first attempt at um, unmanned aircraft. Oh, really? In 1918, the Kettering <laughs> Bug was launched. Fantastic. Which was essentially a torpedo with wings and a propeller that after 40 miles, after it had gone 40 miles, its wings would drop off and it would plummet to the ground and blow everything up. Wow. Uh, JFK's older brother died testing a kind of drone in the Second World War. So the problem with the drones was those ones. Essentially, this was essentially just a B-52 loaded with £20,000 worth of explosives, which was going to kamikaze into something. And the difficulty was getting them off the ground. So that was unmanned in as much as someone had to be in it while it took off. And then parachute out. Parachute out. Yeah. 
And But before he got the chance to parachute out, um, Joe Kennedy's plane blew up over the English Channel. Oh, man. So that's 1998. The launch of the first proper drone is my most important thing to have happened on the 28th of February. I'm guessing uh, that also is what gave rise to quick-release buckles on uh, aviation seatbelts. Yes. Uh, <laughs> while he was frantically trying to undo yeah. all the laces and hook and eye buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, come on! (laughs) Awesome. Today's great because it's given us the ability to make war in the Middle East without ever having to go to the Middle East, which is good news for military families and bad news for Afghan wedding guests. Oh, man. Nice. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, I've got the 28th of February 2000. Mm. And John Taylor... Not the Duran Duran one. Yeah. Uh, the chief executive of British Nuclear Fuels one. Resigns. Oh, he's more fun. Yeah, much more fun. <laughs> uh, and he's a dreamboat. He's so dreamy. Uh, he resigns <laughs> over the safety scandal uh, that attracted severe criticism from watchdogs. Uh, it, uh, goes, it says uh, there was a safety report. Yeah. Published the week before by the Nuclear Installations Inspectorate. Yeah. Excuse me. Hello. Yeah. Uh, with their lead-lined <laughs> clipboards saying that... Uh, shipments of spent fuel to Japan, mm. uh, the safety records had been faked. Sorry, the fa- the shipments had been faked, or the records of the shipments had been faked. The the safety records had been okay. Faked. So we were definitely shipping nuclear waste to Japan. We were just pretending we'd check to make sure it was carefully stowed. We were pretending that it had all gone fine. Yeah. So uh, it 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 hadn't. Oh dear. So uh, BNFL was a nationalised uh, nuclear fuel industry. Uh, nationalised because you can't make money out of nuclear power. (laughs) However much people try, you really can't. And here's how much money you can't make out of nuclear power. Here we go. Uh, The lifetime cost of dealing with the Sellafield site Mm -hmm. was estimated at £67.5 billion. That's Mm. just to get rid of it, just to decommission it. That was in 2002, they thought that. Right. Then by 2013, they were like, no, probably more like 70 billion. Okay. 2014, 79.1 billion. Okay. Okay, look, fine. A year later, 2015, 117.4 billion. Okay, whatever. Fine. There is a budget. You can look it up. There's a a document Mm. uh, where there are budget projections and schedules of work to decommission Sellafield. Yeah. Guess what year they're projected to clean this up by? 2119. 2135. Ooh! <laughs> and it's costing us between two and three... It was originally 2119. They keep pushing it back. <laughs> We've been delayed. Yeah. It's costing us between two and three billion pounds a year just to deal wow. with the mess of it. And I know they're all going to say, well, there's a first generation. <laughs> I don't care, yeah. man. It's a, it's just a bad idea. You've got nuclear waste that's going to be around for 10,000 years. It's longer than yeah. any civilization has lasted. Sellafield's the one they had to change the name of because it had that accident and everyone remembered yeah. Windscale as being the bad one, isn't it? So that's they went, right. oh, it's called Sellafield. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now known as... <laughs> like the Windsors. Uh, glowing Meadows. The Schleswig Holstein, Saxe-Coburg, Gothers. Yeah. yeah. No, we are the Windsors now. Yeah. So uh, we're going to have just one birthday and one death day, but very carefully curated. Hello. Welcome Hello. to the solitary mm. birthday. Happy birthday to... <laughs> you Z- made it sound sad. <laughs> it's not sad. It's happy. It's Zero Mostel. He's everyone's favourite person in the producers, apart from Nathan Lane, if you saw that version. But not the film version. The second film is no good. 
No. I haven't seen it. Was it any good? No, I, you don't need to no. see it. You know, why remake the good Precisely. ones? Remake the bad ones. Um, he was the original Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof. He started as a tour guide, but couldn't stop himself being funny until he was offered a comedy gig at a local restaurant. <laughs> his mother refused to meet his wife and children. She never met her grandchildren or his wife because he married uh, a Gentile. Wow. Yeah. He was then hauled up before the House on American Activities Committee in the late 19, no, mid-1950s, um, and he refused to name names. Unlike his friend Eli Kazan, who had hired him to work in a film, um, in fact, Eli Kazan people were still talking about his naming names when he got his Lifetime Achievement Oscar in, must have been the early 2000s, I think. Um, Ian McKellen refused to clap him then. Uh, even that... On, but um, Zeromostal took the fifth and didn't name anyone. In 1960, he was hit by a bus, um, and so he had a limp, which is why he had the cane and the cape he always wore, um, which you can see is Max Bialystok in the producers. And anyway, that's Zeromostal. He's great. We like Zeromostal. Happy birthday to you. Oh, it's good when you find out that, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, he was a good one. Fantastic. We need more Zeromostals. Yeah, we totally More than zero. Um all right, well, I've got a death for you, but, you know, it's, it's a celebration. Celebration. Uh, it's uh, Winifred, Winifred Atwell. Thank goodness she's at dead. the piano. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 28th of February, 1983. Uh, she uh, was a pianist from Trinidad. Oh. And she uh, started off by playing at, there's an American Air Force base there. And uh, just one day, uh, one of the... Uh, one of the Yanks there said, "Hey, I wonder if you could play in the uh, boogie woogie style that's so popular back home." <laughs> and she went, "All right then," and she she wrote a piece, and uh, it uh, they loved it, and her popularity and reputation spread. She ended up in the UK. She sold over twenty million records. What? That's a load of records. Uh, she was the first black person to have a number one hit in the UK singles chart and is still the only female instrumentalist to do so. And she mm. wrote the black and white rag, which became famous as the BBC snooker programme Pot Black's theme tune. <laughs> there it is. Did she also write Snooker Loopy? <laughs> yes, yes, that was her. And, and all of Chaz and Dave's hits were written by yeah. a Trinidadian. I'm going to be snookering you, snookering you tonight. Yes. She did all the snooker theme songs. Yes, everything to do with... Yes, she did. Actually, I think that one was Mike Bat, wasn't it? It was in his weird really? post-Wombles Jabberwocky musical. Yes. I observed uh, recently that, of course, Snooker Loopy, you, could, you couldn't possibly uh, have that song... Uh, nowadays because you know mental health quite rightly is something Don't that we're taking nowadays. seriously well that's actually <laughs> you know and so snooker seasonally affective disorders i well i you have to call it snooker anxiety now okay. and <laughs> i've written the new theme tune so uh, i'll stick it in now uh, hey. who's gonna break first i think it's gonna be me i spent six hours lining up the balls cause i've got snooker anxiety chalking up another panic attack while chalking up my cue there you go. Hope you enjoyed See, that. See, that wasn't so bad. You got extra bits. Yeah, come on. Extra Stop your complaining. You uh, we will be back tomorrow. Don't <laughs> forget, you can still... Can people still vote? They can still vote, right? Oh, yes, you can still yeah, vote. That's yeah, all still the voting will still be Fine. going on. So get yourself yep. online. It's uh, at date underscore fight on Twitter. Or at Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash date fight. There you are. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our first date fight light. We'll be back with another date one tomorrow. tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. See you then. Bye.